listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Such an honor to be here, but what's cool as well is that we're actually linking to Melbourne right now. And so, although we're here, I'm also at home. So, it's so awesome to be in Melbourne hanging out with you guys. And, babes, I've got to say, you're looking good today. Thank God you're mine. You look divine. Mm. It's turning the crock pot on, people. Turning the crock pot on. And uh, what's awesome uh, is that we are in an amazing series of Unmasked. And uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, you've got to jump online, uh, whether you're here or in Melbourne, you've got to get the messages because they are just so life-giving, life-breathing. And we're going to jump straight into it today. But we are talking about insecurity. And what an amazing topic this is. Such an amazing topic that a senior pastor wrote a book on it. And so I thought we would just read this today. And uh, we can't go wrong. So everybody, are you ready? Clamors nice and close. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. You're amazing. Amen. All right, so there's coffee in the foyer, and if you are new, wouldn't I? Uh, feel a little bit of pressure having to speak on insecurity when our amazing senior pastor's written a book, but don't worry, next week I'll speak on money, and then after that, fate of freedom. And so, <laughs> insecurity. Insecurity is something that we all have. Insecurity is not something you have to wonder if you have. The question is, is we all have insecurity. I love the cover of Pastor Paul's book with this bucket over your head. And that's basically what insecurity wants to do is insecurity wants to dominate our lives. It wants to master us. It wants to cover us and make our life. That's very loud in there. That is very loud in there. But it wants to cover us up and it wants to lead us and dictate the way we think, the way we feel, the way we live, the way we dream, the way we act, what we do. But we all have insecurity. So today the question isn't, do you have insecurity? The question today is, does it have you? See, I can have insecurity, but insecurity doesn't have to have me. What's amazing is when insecurity has me, it's empowered. But when I have insecurity, it's disempowered. See, when it, you, what's that word? I don't even know what that word is. It's yetiresiuin. It's disempowered when I have it, but when it has me... It has the ability to lead me, to dominate me, to change the way I feel, to be a constant place of comparison, a constant place of, of wondering what people think, a constant place of, uh, of this whole, I don't, I can't, I won't, I'd never, uh, uh, and the second guessing. And it's this crazy reality is that actually insecurity to become active in our life is we actually get to be the ones that determine whether it's the one that masters us or whether we master it. We actually get to choose because it's my thought life, it's the what I consider, it's what I do and I say that determines whether it stays in a place where I dominate it or it's in a situation where it starts to dominate me. Yeah. Come on, are you like me at times when, you, when you're thinking, especially when I was younger, I had some classic moments of insecurity and I'll share some more later on. But for me, I was so insecure about my hairy arms. And, uh, you know, all the Melbourne people are laughing a lot. Uh, but I was so insecure about my hairy arms when I was in primary school and I would try and like cover them up and, and it was really weird. But what was funny about it was is that you just go a little bit further up my arms and because I'm so blonde, you couldn't see my underarm here. And so then people used to think I shaved my armpits, and, uh, which is just out of control. And so I was insecure about the length here, but I was insecure about the fact I didn't have enough length and depth here. And there was this constant worry about it. And, and isn't it amazing how the little things worry us so much? I love how Pastor Paul talks about his high hips and his loppy lobes. You know, like these insecurities we have and, and we think everybody else notices. We think everybody else thinks the same thing. We think everybody's worried the same way you're worried, but they're not. 
because they've probably got hairy arms too. They've probably got something going on that they're so concerned about, but the truth of it is is an insecurity wants to get on. And we start thinking, what will people think? Oh no, what will people say? Oh no, what, what, what could I do? What, what, would I, what would I say? I mean, I've got nothing to say. And, and it moves to this place of, but what if? What if they don't like me? What if it doesn't turn out? What if this job idea that I do say, what, what, if, what if? And what it starts to do is insecurity starts to isolate us. What's crazy is because after the what if, it becomes a because we start to justify it. Because I'm not that smart. Because I'm not that confident. Because I haven't got the voice that they've got. Because I haven't got the skills that they've got. And all of a sudden it takes us further and further into this place where we are removed rather than in a place that we are able to offer who we are in God and what He has given you. We're so concerned about what we don't have is we don't realise what we do have and it starts to dominate our lives. I love the story uh, in the Bible of where Acts 3, where Peter and John are walking into the temple and there's the beggar there and they're asking for silver and gold and they say, what we don't have is silver and gold, but what we do have is enough to transform the situation. They weren't so consumed of what they don't have. They were more aware of what they did have and what they did have was enough for what they didn't have and they were able to enable that to be the difference in that person's life. Could I tell you that what you have in Christ is enough? What you don't have, yes, you don't have it, but don't be so concerned about what you don't have. Be more aware of what you do have because what you do have overpowers what you don't have and then you're able to dominate it rather than have it dominate you. We've got to get the bucket off our head, man. We've got to get this isolation out of our head because what it does is it isolates us. See, insecurity will, I think, do two things. It will either make us avoid people, stick to what's safe, do what's easy, go where we know we can go, Uh, don't take risks, we'll shrink back, we'll step back and we'll play it safe. Or the other thing that it does is it over-projects. Insecurity can over-project. Have you ever seen those people where it's got to, they've got to have their opinion? They've got to be in control. It's about their achievements. Did you know what I did? And then you tell a story and they've got to tell a story that's better than your story. It's about their role. It's about their name. It's about them always having excuses. The challenges that they're in are never their fault. It's always because what others have done to them. And what it does is the same as being someone who would be avoiding because of the insecurity is the same as someone who's overprojects with insecurity. It still isolates you. It still takes you to a place where either you're putting your arm's length at them or other people, because of your insecurity and your overprojection, they're putting their arm's length at you. And though there's that connection and all that kind of stuff, it's, there's not the connection we need. We either have to master insecurity or it will master us. Come on, we have to master this thing. Come on, we've got to get comfortable in our own skin. We've got to be okay making mistakes. We've got to be okay realising that we're not always going to have it all together. We've got to get okay at laughing at ourselves. Come on, isn't it? So you have all these jokes, these fun times, and then you joke about the wrong person, and then all of a sudden the whole mood is, you know, like, because they just don't know how to laugh at themselves because they live in this place where it's like everything is so precious. Come on, we're going to be less precious. We're going to be more alive. We're going to be more fruitful. We're going to be able to take steps forward. We've got to master insecurity. What's awesome is that the question is, for us here and for in Melbourne, the question isn't, can we? The question isn't, can we master insecurity? Because in Christ, we have everything we need. Come on, we have everything to master and to dominate and to be able to lead into any area of challenge, uh, obstruction or destruction in our lives. We have the ability to break through because of Christ. Come on, you're... 
you've got to get this place, man. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about you. I know in Australia, and I know uh, in New Zealand, even around the world, we are becoming so symptom sensitive. So symptom sensitive. We are so sensitive to all the symptoms. We wake up with a sore shoulder. Oh, my shoulder's sore. We Google. I Googled, what is sore shoulder? Last night I Googled, if I had a sore shoulder, what would it, could it be? Came back where it could be um, this seizing uh, thing. Uh, Simon Manners could help me here uh, with some like, ad- pardon me? Yes, capsulitis something, something, adhesive. And uh, <laughs> adhesive capsulitis. The next thing it said is it could be diabetes. And the next thing it said, it could have a, I could have had a stroke. I'm pretty sure I just slept funny. Um, you know, like just had the wrong pillow, slept in the wrong bed, slept the wrong way. But if we're so symptom sensitive. People are being diagnosed with ADHD, with uh, depression, anxiety, and all these things over and over and over and over. It's like, wow, what happened to like actually not making that such a big deal and realizing in Christ we have enough and stop focusing at the problems and being so symptom. You know that I've not found once where Jesus said, how do you feel? Not one scripture says, how do you feel? Why? Because I don't think our feelings are supposed to derive and, 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 and lead us the way that right now they are leading all of the society. I love this quote I once heard. It said, feelings are like waves. You're never going to stop them coming. But you can choose the ones that you are going to surf. I love that. Because even in the midst of insecurity and being covered by it, we have these feelings. I wonder if it wasn't like this. I wonder if God could do a miracle in this area. I wonder if I could one day step out in business. I wonder if I could one day be in that place where we could get married. I wonder if that... And we have these feelings of desire of what are God's desires for our life. Those are right desires. Those are right feelings. But too often we're highlighting and labelling ourselves with the destructive things rather than God's purposes and His promises and His plan for us. And all of a sudden we're living in a place where it has us, we don't have it. I, um, so the question to us actually is, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to dominate the insecurity in your life? How bad do you want it? Leo, um, one of our amazing families in uh, life in Melbourne, he, um, they're, they're just awesome. Uh, him and his wife and the kids are just full of life and what God's doing in them is just amazing and there's so much in store. We're so proud of you, Leo and Uma. And uh, what's amazing though about Leo is he has the body that I dream of. <laughs> you all go, oh yeah, that's nice. Everyone in Melbourne goes, uh-huh, oh yeah, yes he does. And uh, honestly, he is shredded. He is ripped. He is just like, it's illegal. And uh, he's, he's a personal trainer. But he posted this thing on Instagram this week, uh, you know, with a rather, um, you know, uh, a picture that would make you want to have what he has. And, uh, and he, he wrote the words, how bad do you want it? Very good question. <laughs> how bad do you actually want it? Because how bad you want it will determine to what lengths you're going to go to to get it. We all have a desire to be in greater freedom. We all have a desire to live without the mask. We all have a desire to be in a place of more confidence, a place where there's more assurance in our life. But how badly do you want it? Do you just desire it and the Instagram feeds are like, oh, I wish I had a family like that. Oh, I wish I had a business like that. Oh, I wish I had the ability to do that. Oh, I wish I could look like that. But we have nothing within us that actually has enough gusto to do what is required to get there. And he's asking the question, how bad do you want it, Craig? (laughs) Come on, how bad do you want to dominate insecurity? 
Come on, do you, do you want it bad enough to get up early and grow our spiritual capacity through the strength of prayer and reading His Word? Come on, to push through enough where it's easy and able and go to the point of fatigue and even to the point of failure because you know you're stretching and you're breaking into new limits. Come on, do you want it enough to stop putting the things that, are, the things that you're eating, the things that are going inside you that actually have the opposite effect of what you're trying to achieve? What I'm trying to say is when it comes to getting a good body, who knows, it's 90%, they say, or probably not that much, but quite a large percent uh, about how, what you put in you is about what's going to reproduce through you. It's the same with this. It's the same with insecurity. What are you feeding on? What are you putting in you? Come on, what are you, what are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on the I can't, I wouldn't, I won't, I won't, I, I'm not, I'm the... Or you're actually going in the, in the place that, you know what, yeah, I may not be there, but who, he who has begun a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Come on, yeah, the same power that conquered the grave lives inside of me. All right, yes, I don't have that ability, but I've got a God who is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask, think or imagine. Or are we busy dwelling on the I can't, I won't, I wouldn't, I can't, I won't, I wouldn't, I can't. Or are we in a place that we're saying, no, it's time to stop what's going in, (laughs) to produce something fresh that's coming out. Come on, that I'm going to get the results that I'm believing that God is destined for me to have. You know, it was... um, um, it was crazy. I was in um, Queenstown uh, for about 24 hours on the way to coming here doing a youth conference and it was an amazing time. Uh, and it was, it was awesome. Just one of the ministry moments we had with all the young people. I said to this young girl, I said, what can I pray for? And she just starts listing off these, these symptoms, these diagnoses that she had. I've got anxiety and I've been, um, you know, I've been... Um, diagnosed with depression and I've been diagnosed with this and I've been diagnosed with that and I've been diagnosed with that and I've, been in a, I've had an abusive um, you know, past and stuff like that and my heart broke for her. But in that moment, it's not about going, oh, well, Lord, we, we know that even though she has this. No, no, no. It's about standing. I'm not making light of these serious things. But it's the standing in that and starting to declare the promises of God come on over our life. Come on, we are so more aware of our problems than we are aware of God's promises. And we've got to get more aware of God's promises in your life than the problems in your life and stop making big what God says is small and enable something to be overcome rather than to be that's the thing that's just overrun in my life. And again, I'm not making light. I think it's good to have understanding about the challenges that we have. But the problem with diagnosing yourself like that, the problem with labelling ourselves like that is we then label ourselves with infirmity rather than labelling ourselves with the promises of God, with health and prosperity and the ability to move forward. Come on, what you label self, you become. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I think what's awesome about this is if we were to ask Jesus or to ask God, how badly do you want us to live in freedom? I think his response is pretty clear. He wants you pretty bad to be in a place where you are not dominated by insecurity, but you master it. Where it doesn't isolate you, but you isolate it. So much so that he would send his son to the cross. So much so that he would pay a price that he didn't need to pay. So much so that he would go to the length of, of, of heaven coming to earth. I mean, he wants it pretty bad. He wants you to live in freedom pretty bad. But your, our thing is, is like, oh, it wouldn't be me. No, I wouldn't. No, no. no, yes, you. Yes, you. And we're going to unpack this story about the woman at the well. And I think it's an amazing story to show how much Jesus believes in every individual that no one else sees and no one else recognizes and other people have wiped off. But he's saying, no, no, there's freedom for you. There's a purpose for you. And we need to be able to intervene and enable God to do something in your life. And I know that through this, God has helped me. And I pray it helps you. 
In John 4, we pick up the story where Jesus is on His way to Galilee, but He says, before I go there, he, it's amazing, in verse 4, He says, I must, I have to, I have to go to Samaria. I have to go to Samaria where Jacob's well was and tired from the journey, they sat there. Do you know that that is about a 60 kilometer uh, detour? Which oh, it sounds fine, you know, in our cars, but imagine when you're riding, you know, like the, you know, the latest donkey, you know, like when you're on your own two feet, you know, 60 kilometers is a long way. But so much so, I have to, I have to go through this area because there's someone who's riddled with insecurity. There's someone who's living their, their life limited and isolated from who they really are. And I've got to get into their world. So he's sitting on the well, tired from the journey. The boys have gone to get some, I don't know, some, some food, some Indian, probably not Indian. Uh, he's probably... And, um... <laughs> and along comes this woman. And along comes this woman. It's awesome. We've got the scripture on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, you can read there. When the Samaritan woman came to draw the water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And this is, uh, this is strange in itself. Uh, and the Samaritan woman says to him, but you are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? See, what's crazy is the fact that the reason we know that she was isolated from everybody is that it was not the time of day to go get water. Most of the time they would go in the early hours of the day, all the women would go together and it was quite a festive time. But here she is on her own in the midday in the heat and she goes and here they are. She's a Samaritan, he's a Jew and that there is a situation that was uh, something that was shined upon or something that was, was, was done, that was an undone thing. But he goes to her, come on, the Samaritan woman says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? And what's amazing is that Jesus answered her, but we reveal in this is that insecurity will resist even God's intervention. Insecurity will resist even God's intervention. So even God's presenting right now, even though you're hearing me and things are going, yeah, that makes sense. But the things inside of you, the flesh inside of you, the, the insecurity inside of you, yeah, but that's, that's, you know, that's all good. But he wouldn't really want to do that for me. I mean, you're just saying that because you're a pastor. You've got to say that. And it wants to resist what God's actually trying to deposit inside your life right now. Insecurity will do that. But it's amazing, Jesus goes on, Jesus answered her, but if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked for, 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 for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water for? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gives us this well to drink from it and also the sons and his livestock? The other thing we notice is that insecurity will justify justify why we can't have a drink. Hang on a second, aren't you? And this and this, and I'm not, and I'm not, and you don't understand. Like, it will justify our insufficiencies. Insecurity will justify your insufficiencies. Yeah, but, you know, that's cool in theory, but you don't know my actual situation. Yeah, but you don't understand. It's been like this for years. You don't understand. It's been in my family. I mean, it's, it's something that we've always had to deal with. It's, it's, it's not like, it's not the same. It's, like, it's not like I can, it's not like you can give and I can. No, no, we've got to Stop. <laughs> Stop with justifying why you are the way you are. It's okay. It's, it's not saying it's your fault, but we can be the people that take responsibility to get ourselves out of this place, get the bucket off your head and get to a place where you're mastering it. It's not mastering you. <laughs> Come on, you've got to hear me. You are unique to God, but your situation isn't. <laughs> what He has for you and what He can do through you is enough. It is enough. It is enough. Yeah, but I need my work to change and I need my family situation to change. I need my finances to change. No, no, no. God is enough. Let him do something of the internal so then he can do the external. God is enough. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, man, give me this water that I won't thirst again. I have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go and call your husbands and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Our honesty allows God into our insufficiency. <laughs> She's honest. Come on, we've got to be honest with where it's really at. We've actually got to be honest with God where it's at. Can't pretend. He already knows. <laughs> no point making excuses. He already sees. I love this honesty. And Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, in fact, you've had five husbands. And the man you are with right now, he's not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Don't you wish sometimes that he may have just, I mean, sure she did. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be great if she just told him how, what she had for breakfast? You know, and then she would have, oh, you're a prophet. But isn't it amazing how God wants to go to the sensitive, come on, the intimate areas of our life? <laughs> And he wants to speak into that area and bring change to the lasting change. He doesn't just want to do a little, oh, you know, guess what? I'm God. You know, and then go, oh, cool. No, he actually wants to, he knows you so intimately. He knows you so intricately. He knows the areas that hinder your heart and stop you, that he wants to speak right into those areas. And this is what Jesus does. He speaks right into that area. And, and, he, and he says, um, and it's amazing because even though it's a big deal, it's like God doesn't make it that big a deal. <laughs> That's a big deal having five husbands and the one you're right now is not your husband. That's a big deal. But isn't it amazing how God doesn't really make it that big a deal? You're making a bigger deal of your situation than God is. God doesn't see it as that big a deal. He just sees it as an opportunity for His supernatural to move in your life. He was more aware of the miracle He wanted to do in her life than the mess of her life. God is more aware of the miracle He wants to do in your life rather than the mess that's in your and my life. He doesn't make it that big a deal. We need to stop making it that big a deal. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I am the one who speaks to you. I love this. Jesus gives her a word. Jesus gives her a word. I want to tell you, God has a word for you. A word specifically for you. He spoke a specific word to her. And he has a specific word for you. Come on, do you have a specific word from God in the area that you're needing the confidence, that you're needing the courage, that you're needing the, the comfort, that you're needing the assurance from? Do you have a specific word? Do you have a specific word? Are you waiting for every Sunday for someone to come and bring a message that's going to top you up and top you up and top you up? Come on, God wants to be the foundation to the very thing that right now seems like a failure, but you've got to get a specific word. Come on, you've got to hunt a specific word. You've got to grab hold of a specific word. The disciples rejoin Jesus and what happens next is really awesome. It says, Then 28, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to her people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could it be the Messiah? Wow. This is my thought. When we live outside of insecurity, we have freedom with our history. When we live outside of our insecurity, when it's not on us, we have it. We have freedom in our history. You're not trying to cover it up. You're not trying to act like it never happened. You're not trying to be like, present something you're not. You're okay. <laughs> because yeah, that was my history. But that's my history. It's not my future. <laughs> that's what used to dominate me. It doesn't dominate me anymore. That's what used to be. But God has set me free and I'm able to walk into something so much more. We have freedom in our history. We have freedom in our history. <laughs> when we live out of insecurity. Verse 30, it says... They came from the town and made their way toward him. 
Wasn't it awesome? The very people that she was avoiding, the very ones that she was embarrassed to be around. Come up, and I want you to get this. The very ones that she was ashamed of, the very ones that she was fearful and insecure to, and isolated from were now the ones that she was on mission with. She was now confident and she was now on purpose. What's awesome, we go to verse 41 and it says, and because of his words and many more, so they all went out and they started to hear Jesus. And it says, because of his words and many more, believe, sorry, many more became believers. In verse 42, and the woman said to, they said to the woman, sorry, we are no longer believing just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What an amazing thought that insecurity won't just isolate you, but it'll actually isolate you from where God has called you to influence. The very thing that is right now, the insecurity that you've been isolated from, I believe is actually one of the most significant things that God wants you to influence. If I could be honest and share my story, um, the honour of being youth pastors here is, is, uh, you know, 13 odd years ago is incredible and, and Nadia came on team and and, um, you know, not only does she look good, and you do, um, but she's incredibly, uh, you know, she's just an amazing woman of God and someone who's been a hero in my life. In fact, it was through her friendship to me and leading me into church that I got saved and recommitted my life to Christ. And it's been amazing. And we, got on, we became youth pastors. It was so awesome. And, and, and we were absolutely a team and we know it was God's call in our life. And then eight years ago, we had Zion and uh, it was just amazing. But what that meant was now Nadia was moving out of the office, obviously to be a mum and, and all of that. And here I am sitting at my desk and I am riddled with insecurity. How am I going to do this? How am I going to lead this? I mean, Nadia's already been there and, and I know that she would be somewhat embarrassed of me saying Nadia, Nadia, but it's not about Nadia so much as about this insecurity within me. Not identifying with what God had put on me and trying to identify what everybody else had rather than what I had. And, and here I am in this, my office and I'm looking at the, the fact of leading this youth ministry and having to speak and do all these things and make leadership decisions and I am riddled with insecurity. I start thinking about how I can't. I start thinking about what I don't have. I start thinking about how I didn't really accomplish school very well. And I literally find myself sitting under my desk in my office. And I'm sitting under my desk and I'm crying going, I can't do this. I'm not this person. I've just come on the coattails of somebody else. This isn't actually me. But in that moment, we have a decision to make. Are we going to let it be the thing that covers us and makes us give up? Or is it going to be the thing that we've got to make a decision in the midst of being insecure? And I picked up my phone while sitting on the ground and I text three of my best friends. And I said, I feel like giving up right now because I can't do this. <laughs> I don't even have what it takes. Within minutes, Cy, Matt Linton, and mate James Spence text me back. I said, man, don't you dare give up. Don't you listen to those lies. Don't you dare be someone that thinks that it's not what God's got on your life. This is for you. Get up. Keep going. <laughs> It's going to be okay. You've got this. Come on, God's called you as much as He's called anybody else. I got up. I sat at my desk. I said, okay, God, I need a word from you. Come on, the thing is, is we're advertising in both campuses. We're advertising groups at the moment. I've got to tell you, groups are significant. The people that you have around you are so significant for you being able to get through in this life. 
And if you're not in a group yet, you've got to go and connect with someone in our foyers to be able to go, okay, is there a group for me? Because there's people that need you and there's people that you need to be able to help you take the steps forward and to get out of the place that's covering you right now. Maybe the band can come and join me. Matt, um, come on up. And then Micah and the team in Melbourne, come on up. And, and here I am and I'm, I'm getting up and I'm like, okay, God, I literally have this thing. I need to get a word from you. And then straight from that place, I got Joshua 1. And I went to Joshua 1, verse 6, and it says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people into the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you have been successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day or night, so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Come on, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Get out from under your desk, white boy. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I got a word. She allowed God to speak. She got a word. Then I got assistance in the areas I was weak. I went and saw the finance team and said, I'm not good with computers. I don't know how to file stuff. Outlook freaks me out. How do I do this? And I got assistance. Come on, you can get practical assistance in the areas that you're fearful of, the areas that intimidate you. You can actually get practical assistance. Get stronger in those areas. You don't have to be the best at them, but get a a, a compatibility that you're able to actually achieve what you're wanting to achieve. And then the last thing is, I met with the seventh man. And I still meet with the seventh man. So she had five husbands and the one she was with was not her husband. She had six, but along came the seventh man. Seven is significant in the Bible because seven means completion. It means the perfection of both spiritually and physically being outworked. I want to ask you in your area of insecurity, when was the last time you met with the seventh man? When was the last time you allowed the seventh man to have a say? When was the last time you allowed him to walk in and say something that you didn't really want to hear and you didn't really want to believe, but at the same time, because of the authority and the presence and the power and the love and the completion of who he is, it brings a change to your circumstance. See, my insecurity is, and the thing I still deal with is every time I have to get up here, I feel insecure, I feel inadequate, I start doubting. So then nearly every single time I ever speak, I got to meet with the seventh man. And see, what you don't know is that this morning I met with the seventh man, but it's not in the conventional place of in my bedroom. Often I meet with the seventh man only minutes before I get on stage. And I started this all those years ago when I got out from under my desk. And in this venue, and it's quite cool, we're here in Central and you're seeing this in Melbourne, but I actually would meet with the seventh man back here. Can I take you to my, to my closet where I meet with the seventh man? Okay, no one wants to see the closet, okay. Can I take you to the place where I meet the seventh man? I meet the seventh man out here. We're going out the back. Hello. Here's the backstage arts room. This would be a nice place to meet with the seventh man. But actually it's not just here. I meet with him in here. Seems embarrassing, but that's a bathroom. But it's a bathroom I can lock the door on. And what I would do is I get down on my knees and I say, God, I need you. God, I'm desperate for your help in this situation. God, I know what I can't do, but I also know what you can do. And God, I pray that you would help me. God, give me the words to say. Give me your spirit. I don't want it to be about me. It's always got to be about you. God, help people see you. 
and I have my time with the seventh man and I go in that place and God meets me there. And I feel like I go, okay, even though I still know who I am, I know that God's on this. And then I come out of this place. And sure, I still have doubt at times. And sure, at times I still feel like, oh, maybe if this doesn't work out, what's gonna happen? What if they don't like me? What if they don't understand? What if it doesn't come around nice? But that's not the point. Because if my focus is not that people would see me, but that people would see Him, then who knows, we're gonna achieve what God wants us to achieve. See, what's awesome about the woman of the well is that she ran back not going, hey, everybody, look at me, look at me. She ran back saying, come meet a man. Come meet a man who spoke to me. Come meet a man that changed my heart. Come meet a man that changed my life. Come meet a man that transformed my situation. Come meet a man that took my brokenness and made it whole. Come meet a man. And I believe we're called to be confident, but our confidence is not in our ability. Our confidence is that we have a man. And his name is Jesus. And he's saved us and he's transformed us. And what we're going to do here in Melbourne is that we're actually going to have a time and I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to have a time of worship where we're going to come afresh. Just a couple of minutes, but I want you to bring. Come on, I want you to have a time where God can speak into the area that right now is something that dominates you, something that is fearful in you, something that causes you to hold back, something that causes you to water down. And would we have a moment that allows God to again, allow His presence to come and do something fresh in your life? Come on, allow His presence to come and do something powerful in your life. Come on, I'm gonna pray. Come on, if you're in this place and you want God just to come and allow His presence into the area of of insecurity and anxiety and the things that have been holding you back. Come on, I want you to lift your hands to heaven all over this place. Melbourne, I want you to lift your hands. Come on, God's presence is here to be able to comfort you, to restore you, to birth something fresh inside of you. Father, we come knowing that it's not in our ability and it's not by our might, but it is by Your Spirit that You want to move in and through us. Father, we come right now this morning saying we're going to give it back to You. Father, even though we can feel down, God, we're still going to declare Your name. Father, even though we can be shy, God, we're still going to shout Your name from the rooftop. We're still going to push ourselves into Your presence. Father, I pray that right now that You would have a divine moment, that Your presence would move in power in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.